Due to technical difficulties, the audio for the first 19 minutes of this video is damaged. Higher quality audio is restored beginning at 19 minutes and 10 seconds. Boy, if I have to sit and act in front of this whole full audience, it would be pretty intimidating. So, thanks for being here tonight. Welcome and really thank you for coming. Uh, this is our candidates forum and citizens get to vote. It's the most cherished and responsible right that we have. And you are here to listen to these candidates who want to volunteer their time and their abilities to serve on our city council. Each hopes to convince you to elect them. I want to thank you candidates for coming and thank you for offering to step up. Tonight's event is a collaboration with the Astoria School District, the Astorium, KMUN Radio, and Astoria AAUW. It is this type of cooperation that makes for a good community we choose to live in. Tomorrow, KMUN will post the link to listen to tonight's forum. The Astorium has advertised this event and supports forums. This high school is sharing their space and Superintendent Craig Hoppus is our moderator. You have been greeted by AEW members and they await your raised hands to indicate you have written questions for our candidates. So if you have a question on those cards, you raise it up and our runners will come and get it and deliver it up to Ms. and Jim. Additional questions have been sent via the emails. No candidate has had access to the questions. A very important tenet for our AAUW branch is educational equity. We promote this in many ways, as the more we know, discuss, and validate, the stronger we are as a community. We are honored to host these forums and invite you to join us. Superintendent Hoppus is our moderator. He will provide an explanation of how our process will occur, and he will introduce you to our candidates. Thank you, and I would also uh, like to thank the AUW for hosting this or uh, organizing this forum tonight. I always look forward every two or four years to um, these candidate forums. Before we get to the particulars, I want to share one of the particular. Um, if you need to use the restroom, it's best if you just go up this ramp in the restroom right out that door. Okay, so just so you know, so you're not wondering. Um, We will tonight hear from the candidates from the Astoria City Council. The order of appearance will be the first ward, Andrew Davis and Jeff Gunn. The third ward, Elizabeth Adams and Chris Hefker. And then finally, at the end of the table, is um, our lone mayor candidate, Sean Fitzgerald. Fitzpatrick, excuse me. Each candidate will have up to two minutes for an introduction and a statement of reasons why the candidate should be elected. The timekeeper will inform you um, you win 30 seconds or left for the yellow card, and our timekeepers are right in the front. And then uh, when your time is finished, you'll see a red card, and I'll also cut you off at that point. 
Um, the audience has submitted uh, written questions already, as well as there's some runners on the sides that will pick up more questions. Um, each candidate will have up to a, a minute and a half to respond to each question, and that gives us a time for up to nine questions, but we have many more, many more than nine questions if uh, time's allowed. At the end of the questions, at the end of the questions, each candidate will have a two-minute wrap-up. So with that, we will start um, with Andrew with the Thank you, Greg. Thank you to the AAUW for hosting us tonight and for the Astorian and KMUN for helping uh, publicize this event. Um, so we got asked to come here tonight and talk first about why you might want to vote for us, why we uh, think you should support us as a candidate. I would say just two things for me. Uh, one is that I've, I've got a lot of experience. I've been working for the past few years to really understand Clatsop County and Astoria. I've worked on the budget committee for Astoria and Clatsop County for four years. I was the chair of the county budget committee for two. I was the secretary of the Astoria budget committee for two years. Um, I've also been the chair of the countywide comprehensive plan citizen advisory committee. Uh, we're trying to update the comprehensive plan after, which is long overdue, frankly, and that process has been going on about three years now. Uh, so we've been looking at policy changes around zoning and planning in the county. So I'm familiar with the budgets for, for the area. I'm familiar with how these organizations operate. Um, my background, my graduate school education is in public administration. So I've got some formal training in this area too. And broadly, I just care about the community and have been trying to work uh, to make it better uh, since I've been here. That comes out of uh, maybe the second thing I want to talk about, which is about 15 years ago, I got really active in my original community, which is Bloomington, Indiana, around climate change, uh, organizing to try and work on sustainability issues in that town. That really energized me and got me going. I still care deeply about climate change as an issue and making sure that my community is, is ready for that. Um, I will say broadly, the, the ideology that I bring forward is that if uh, there is a ladder to success, I want to make sure that members of our community who are standing on the ground right now all have access to the first rung so that they can make their way up on their own. But my emphasis will be on helping people that need that first step. Thank you. Hi, I'm uh, Jeff Gunn. Um, I am actually a uh, resident and work in Ward 1, um, which I'm running for, and I'm very passionate about my community. Um, I have been living here for uh, approximately six year, 16 years uh, and worked there for uh, about eight years. Um, I've seen uh, the you know fluctuations in, uh, in what's happening in my community, and I'm passionate about uh, trying to find solutions to the issues that I think that we all know are happening. And um, I, I work in, 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 a, in the restaurant industry, and so um, I'm a general manager and a chef. Um, I'm used to coming up with ideas and, and solutions on the fly um, on a regular basis, and so I think that, you know, I have a unique experience and a unique opportunity to do some some really fun and interesting things with our community um, and i'm not saying fun as in uh you know 
arcades and stuff like that. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about what we can look forward to for the future of Uniontown. Um, it, it needs to be back where it used to be. And I think that we can find a way back to uh, finding a way for the blue collar community to have a living, working space in Uniontown. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to, to make sure that that happens. Um, you know, I want beautification, I want um, to find solutions to the issues at hand. And I'm definitely looking forward to uh, serving the community for that. Good evening, I'm Elizabeth Adams and I'm running for Ward 3, City Council. Uh, as a long-term resident and local of this community, I am excited to become involved in potentially being able to represent Ward 3 of the city in a lot of the most important issues at hand. I think we can all agree on what those are. They're very visible and important to our entire city. I started my first uh, involvement uh, civically as a VISTA volunteer uh, in a project I did at the Clatsop County Health and Human Services Department and I was able to be led by a mentor that helped develop a program that was statewide that looked at how poverty was affecting health care, housing, and access to employment. And with that first project, I then moved into other civic and social causes. I was a mobility manager for the transportation district, and I fulfilled other roles within county health. I also helped uh, bring our federally qualified health center, Coastal Family Health Center, which is um, one of our most important health care centers here, and developed programs and advocated for funding on a federal level. So next step for me is to be on the other side of the table, which is to be a part of the city council in representing that population still, because it's very important. Good evening. Um, my name is Chris Hafer, and I'd like to thank our hosts here this evening. I'm a carpenter preservationist and housing provider. Um, out here is my lovely wife, Mom, and Astoria is our home. Back in 2002, we first married and we purchased our very first home here in Astoria. Um, we were looking for a historic setting, a view, and uh, an urban location. That's when we moved from Scapoos to Astoria. I was excited to find a derelict house, a craftsman just nestled up downtown. To um, afford this, um, the repairs of this place, we ended up um, renting out a portion of that home as well. For 20 years, I've been swinging a hammer on the Douglas fir, the cedar skins of our historic homes in the area. In 2015, I started renovating some neighborhood buildings. Some of the spaces have been abandoned, while others were in complete disrepair. Preserving them brought several new rental units on the market and helped us keep our historical inventory intact. One project I'm extremely proud of 
but it's not a very impressive building, is the Chinese triplex. It's three buildings connected together that were drug up the hill from Astoria's old Chinatown. It's the only remaining structures of workforce housing in Chinatown, Astoria. When Bong and I bought this from LCPS, we had many reasons to tear it down, but we decided to keep it alive and preserve the units. So when a vacancy opened up on city council, I thought it was my duty to offer my time and my experience. Maybe some of my experience will be helpful for solving some of the housing issues. Thank you. Good evening, I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. I'd like to thank Craig and the AAUW for inviting us here to this forum. To give perspective on how I'll make decisions as mayor, I figured I'd share a few of my life experiences, which some of which may be familiar to you. I grew up in a loving home. My parents were always available to us, but we didn't have financial stability. My parents were still living paycheck to paycheck when I graduated from high school. I spent nine years working through college in low-paying jobs. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. My first marriage of three years was not a good one. My wife became addicted to opioids. We divorced when my child was a year old. I was a single parent for nine years, and I was broke most of that time. It was partly my luck that we didn't wind up being homeless after the extreme financial devastation that the addiction caused in our household. I know the fear of not having a home. I know from experience the issues associated with co-parenting with an addict and how addiction affects families and loved ones. Family members and friends, people that I love, have experienced mental health issues. For several years I have provided housing to people in recovery and with mental health issues. I understand the unique requirements and the costs associated with this type of housing. I also know what it's like to have a good marriage and a good support group. My marriage of over 20 years to Ann Carpenter is the best thing that ever happened to me and my daughter. Ann was kind enough to adopt Kelly. I know firsthand what people go through in a family court process. One thing that I have learned that is very important is to have adaptability. I'm willing to change course as I learn from my mistakes. And as I did on the Planning Commission, for nine years, I will listen to all sides of the issue and consider the needs of all Astorians when I am voting as mayor of Astoria. Thank you. Thank you, Sean, and the rest of the panel. I'm going to start with the questions, and the question is that the very first question is for to, to go to Jeff, and then we'll just keep on going the way we um, uh, rotated the first question. The city budget for 2022-2023 is over $50 million. How do you support this money being allocated, and what do you plan to change? Jeff, yes. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, I'm kind of new to this thing, but, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of money coming into the community that's not allocated, um, maybe not properly, uh, maybe that's not the right uh, choice of words, but um, I think that, you know, what we really need to look towards is the upcoming of Astoria. Um, you know, we've kind of gone into a slump. And what we need to do is find the people to come to the area 
to be able to support what we need as a community. And, and so all the money that's coming into the community is really, is, you know, tourist-based. And so, you know, what's happening is that we're having all these extra tourists coming to the area, but we have no infrastructure. We have no people to support these, you know, these visitors to our area. And so what we need to do is look at the housing problem. Um, most of my employees um, have been priced out of their homes. And so I can't find employees. And so that's where we need to look at, um, you know, trying to find some solutions. Um, that's, that's a major, major issue. Um, and I think that that's kind of across the board here. Um, we all know that that's, that's the problem, and so we need to figure out how to solve that, that problem. question. So I think that we need to look at our plans. What does our comprehensive plan tell us? What does our future of our infrastructure look like it needs? What do we anticipate? What do our departments anticipate? I think that proper planning leads a proper budget. Uh, also expecting things to come up that we may or may not anticipate. And having some reserves and ways in which we can have emergencies arise and be able to take care of them within our budget. But looking to our plans and looking to the future, looking at the comprehensive planning of our community, not just Astoria, but looking at also what our county is going through, will help drive keeping a $50 million budget on. Craig, repeat the question. I do have a hearing impairment and was not able to hear the question when it was read. Uh, the city budget for 2022-23 is over $50 million. How do you support this money being allocated and what do you plan to change? So I've been meeting with all of the department heads and they all have unique needs and upcoming issues uh, from the library to the fire department to the police department. 
Um, the library bond, if it passes, is going to require from some money from the city, uh, and I uh, would support putting that into the improvements at the library. Public safety has some very serious needs. The building is extremely outdated. The location is not great, and I'm familiar with the construction issues that are unique to buildings of that age. Uh, so as far as what I plan to change, I'm going to see what everybody needs and work to make it equitable uh, so that all of, our, all of our departments are properly funded, properly staffed, and has the infrastructure that it needs. Thank you. So, so I would just start with saying I, I think I could echo some of the comments that we've just heard about. Our staff is very gifted. They work very hard to put together a, a good budget for the city. I think there's a limit in that $50 million to how much we can actually move around uh, because of pre-existing capital projects, pre-existing uh, programs that we've got. We have priorities including things like public safety that we, we already sort of allocate money to. That, that's, that's spoken for. The things that I would be interested in, in trying to amplify the funding for are things like housing. As we, as we ask people who are homeless to camp outside of the city center, making sure that there are facilities like and trash collection and bathrooms for folks who are uh, going to be in different parts of the city where those aren't as readily available. Um, things like looking long term at relocation of public safety facilities outside of the tsunami zone, trying to look at alternative energy uh, for the city so that uh, if we are cut off or if just energy becomes more expensive, we have better options. And you know, we've got long-term issues in the city of Astoria because most of the city was built out 100 years ago or more that our infrastructure is quite old. So we need to be putting money aside for capital improvements and, and uh, retrofitting of old infrastructure so that we can keep operating even at the standard we are now. So those would be the sort of priorities that I would look at. Thank you. To our next question, and this question will uh, start with Elizabeth. You will start this question. Okay. Would you support hiring more fire and policemen and reducing the parks department, and why? Okay, so we're talking about public safety versus parks and recreation, which is a really interesting um, thing to put, to try to pick one or the other, increasing or decreasing other. I think that our city currently has a staffed police and fire um, department. I think that we do a good job in what, what we have. I think that our parks and rec department also does a good job in what they have, and they have their own guidelines. I wouldn't support one over the other or allocating funds more to one or the other unless we saw that there was a need for that. I know that we have hit our 10,000 mark in population, so reevaluating potentially what our public safety needs are as far as fire and police and seeing if we are adequately staffed or adequately uh, funded and looking at the parks department the same way, whether we're increasing our needs and services with the parks department or 
if we're adequately staffed there. So the question is, would you support hiring more fire policemen in reducing the parks department? No, I would not. Um, I think that uh, it's always a bad idea to pull money out of the parks department. I love the parks department. I love the youth programs. I think that um, you just got to keep them all funded. And I think the drive should be how to fund them more. And so I would look more into how we can get more money for each department. Thank you. Uh, I'm acutely aware of the staffing issues that the police department is facing at this time, and especially the dispatch call center. Uh, Chief Kelly has been kind enough to go over these issues with me, and this, the unfilled positions are, to my knowledge, already budgeted for. And so I don't think we're going to come down to needing to either hire fewer police officers or firefighters uh, or cut the uh, Parks Department budget. I think that we can continue to, to uh, fund and staff the Parks Department without uh, cutting services in public safety. So I guess my answer to this would be first that um, my experience with both the county and, and the city of Astoria is that as far as our priorities, budget priorities as a body, uh, public safety is always the first priority that everyone puts down. So the police and fire departments are going to be funded to the capacity that we've got. That's, so this is like not a, not a question of a trade-off here. Honestly, Parks Department is going to lose out on this. Um, now, do we need more money allocated to police and fire right now for more officers, uh, more firemen? Uh, I think I would be on the same page as Sean here that uh, my awareness is that we have roles to fill, but the money is there uh, for those roles. So we don't need that as a priority at the moment. I would say uh, that in general, uh, Clatsop County is ranked sixth in the state in, in crime rate. Uh, so we do need to look at solutions for how we approach crime in our community. Um, one of the things that I would be uh, wor working toward and trying to support is even financial support for behavioral health agencies, um, dr drug uh, and alcohol programs, domestic violence programs, so that we can help people who are um, struggling in their lives and, and crime is a result of those struggles, we can help them uh, get through that p patch of their life and, and get to a safer place. Um, so, <laughs> it's very interesting. We had this conversation just before we started. Um, Andy and I actually have very, very, very similar views. Um, so, um, the Parks Department, you know, I would like to see a little bit more attention to detail um, in our parks, obviously. Um, they could be beautified a little bit, but um, in terms of uh, you know police and fire, I think that we have adequate supply of, um, of protection, um, both in the fire and, and the police um, at this time. Um, but as he, as he said, you know, I think that the police are stretched thin because they're being called off to 
a lot of these um, you know, minor domestic issues when drugs and alcohol are, are the main problem. Um, so behavioral health, um, you know, having you know, basic human services available um, is going to be you know, one of the things that I would work on in city council to try to um, bring together a team of people that can take the heat off of, of the police in trying to address some of these issues. And I think that that's where we need to start, to be honest. Great, thank you. Next question. And we will start with Chris. The next question is, do you support the bond to renovate the Astoria Public Library? Do you support the bond to renovate the Astoria Public Library? Those were both the same question, right? Same question. <laughs> Just refusing. Um, absolutely. Um, I'm excited about that project. I went down to the library, had a tour, um, and was just delighted to see the plans. I'm excited to see some of the walls getting opened up and um, having the transparency between the outside and the inside. Um, I have other words for describing getting rid of something in contractor terms, but we'll just say removing the mezzanine. And, um, and then also opening up the basement, doubling that square footage. Um, while I was there, I was really pleased to see a bunch of kids utilizing the library. I, um, I think it's a great place for the youth, especially during summer when they don't have something going on. Seeing this space as a, as a new wonderful hangout spot, I'm all over it. Thanks. Yes, I was uh, earlier trying to avoid that because I, I, I didn't want to uh, sound partisan or however it might have come across, but nonetheless, yes, I do support the library bond. I have a personal connection to the library, uh, a few of them, including that the architect, Ebba Wicks-Brown, uh, was working on that project as she was designing the Illahee, which is my, uh, one of my favorite properties here in Astoria. Um, my cousins told me about the excitement when they were moving books from, I believe, the Elks Lodge into the uh, senior center while it was a temporary library, while the new library was being built. I was looking at photographs, historic photographs over the weekend of the library under construction. I think it's a beautiful space. It's certainly time to upgrade that facility. Uh, we, we have some of the funds and it's time to get this done. And I've, I've noticed that there aren't a lot of people against it, which gives me a lot of confidence. I, I hope that the bond passes and I look forward to improving our library. So yes, I support the bond. Um, I think it's a, a needed long-term project. Um, I'm appreciative that it's coming forward as a bond issue right now so that people can vote on it and keep the project moving. Um, I will say on a personal level, uh, my mother worked in social services when I was in grade school and uh, after school, I would go to, the, to my public library and spend a couple of hours before she got off work 
And honestly, that's been a huge part of my development, and I have great memories of library staff and of the facilities giving me opportunity. So I think I want that in the community that I live in now. Uh, I support the library moving forward. I will say that we have uh, budgetary limitations as far as uh, the city can't uh, raise property taxes very easily or things like that. So the bond measure is a, a good opportunity for the public to weigh in and say this is an important project for you all and say that we want to pay for it. Uh, so I support it also as a, as a way to get this uh, project moved forward as a bond measure. I think it's good policy. So yes, totally supportive. Um, I definitely support it. Um, I haven't heard about it yet, but um, just hearing what everybody's been saying, um, I definitely would be um, in support of, uh, you know, building up the library. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, going to the library and just being you know, mystified with you know, all the information and all the things that I can learn. Um, I see a friend out there who also be in favor of this. Um, and, you know, so I, I would definitely be in favor. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a warm, safe place um, for, you know, for our youth to be uh, when there's nowhere else to be. And sometimes that's what we need. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Well, I'll just kind of round this out with a yes. We're all yes for the library. Uh, I grew up in Swenson, and my dad would come to town, and I would come to town with him and get dropped off the library. It was a place to go uh, to be exposed to things that rural kids out in Swenson maybe didn't have access to in our school library. And so I have a, a big heart for the library. And in my work with the Sunset Empire Transportation District as a mobility manager, one of the things that I did is I worked with the Senior and Disabled Advisory Committee. And it was always so disheartening to have to tell people with mobility issues that there were spaces in Astoria that they could not access, including our public spaces, which should be open to everyone regardless. So I am 100% for the library bond, and I'm excited to also participate uh, in what that looks like and in supporting that. Thank you. Next question. What projects would you promote to increase affordable housing what projects would you promote to increase affordable housing? Okay, what projects would I promote to increase affordable housing? Um, this is a tough one. Uh, the reality is that housing is not affordable. If it was cheap, easy, and highly profitable to provide housing, we wouldn't have a housing shortage. Um, $450,000 per unit at the Owens Adair project, uh, that, that's not cheap. That's not gonna be affordable. I am all in favor of creating more housing. I have spent my life creating housing. Um, but I think that we have to be very careful about budgeting and understanding the long-term costs of the housing that we create. And I think we also need to support the people who, using their private funds, have created and are continuing to provide housing in Astoria. You can pass 
So what kind of projects would I promote? Um, so first off, I think Sean is right uh, that housing is very difficult to pay for right now. It's not something that the city of Astoria on their own can just go out and build a bunch of new housing. That's not financially feasible for us as a community. Uh, what we can do is leverage outside resources. There are lots of uh, grants available from the federal and state government, from the USDA, uh, from different departments that will allow us uh, to use what smaller funds we have uh, to bring assets into the community and build housing out. You know, I think the Heritage Square discussion that we had was uh, contentious for a variety of reasons, but one of the things about that project was it was trying to leverage state affordable housing funds to, to build out those structures. And I think that's what we're going to have to look at uh, to make affordable housing happen here. We're going to have to leverage outside entities. I work on a nonprofit board right now. We're trying to renovate the Copeland Common Building uh, downtown, which is, uh, used to be the host of Malternative. It has a, an empty lot next to it. Uh, we're planning, we just signed an agreement this week uh, to work with IHI, who developed the Merwin, uh, to build 63 units in the empty uh, lot and in the present building uh, to put affordable housing on the market. And we're doing that by leveraging uh, state housing funds. There's no other way we could have done it, uh, but we'll get it done because those funds are out there and available, so the city needs to do the same thing. Uh, well, once again, Andy and I are really on the same page. Um, you know, I, I think that we do need to uh, figure out a different way of going about building housing um, because obviously the housing that we have available is just not viable for affordable housing. Um, one of the things that, that I really want to, you know, try to attempt to attack is, is uh, landowners uh, continuing to raise uh, rental rates on, on their renters. Um, but that's, that's a side note. Um, the other thing is trying to figure out a way to, um, to find a way to build um, either on derelict properties um, that are run down if we can if we can get them to donate them to the city or or buy them back um, so that we can buy uh, those properties and find a way to build something affordable for you know for our community um, you know that's great that we're you know looking at different options but um, I think we need to be a little bit more progressive in how we're actually doing that and I think it's a it's a it's kind of a a general thing that that we all need to kind of come together. Nobody has the right answer, but I think together as a team we can come together and find the right answer. What projects would I promote <clears throat> to increase affordable housing? I think we need to take a look at what we're really saying, what affordability means, and what the city's role in affordability is, and what our commitment to affordability is. Is affordable housing the same thing as workforce housing? Is low-income housing the same thing as affordable housing and workforce housing? What are we really talking about? What population of people are we really trying to serve here? We know that housing is such a significant issue with the affordability that we're seeing middle earners and high middle earners 
being priced out of being able to find housing. So we really need to hone in and decide what affordable housing means to the city, what our role in that is, and look at our current structures, look at our current buildings, ways that we can use what is already part of our inventory and then move on from there. It, it could be much easier to look at buildings like the Copeland Commons project. This is an existing building in order to create more affordable housing and then looking at other pieces of land or places in which we can build affordable housing. Astoria is very limited in space and we're only going to continue to have people move here and want to live here. We all want to live here. It's a beautiful place to live. But the reality is, is that the housing issues are actually a crisis and we need to address affordable housing. It's a big question and um, there's no straight answer for it. Astoria, has limited space. Um, in terms of city lots, we've got the public works site that could probably move next to the football stadium. We have the site behind city lumber. We have a possibility to build some, prop, some, some housing there. Um, that's gonna take a lot of money and it's gonna take outside support. Um, it's gonna take some time. Um, there's, I'm in support of the housing going in at Pipeline. I support the Copeland Commons building. I especially like it since it has a component of restoration attached to it. Um, and that's going to be a big job. There are structural repairs to do there. It's a complicated site like most are in Astoria. Astoria is not the normal place to build. It's a bit of a beast. Um, and so we do have to work with county and our neighboring communities to build more housing. And if we can get more people to maybe share their housing, it could help, but it's not a, a, a problem that's gonna get solved immediately. And it's gonna take some collaboration. Thank you. Um, next question, and we will uh, begin with Andrew. What are your views regarding childcare in Astoria, and what should the city do? Well, that's so. Childcare is in a crisis for the county. Frankly, um, we've known that for years. It was only exacerbated by COVID. Um, I think that. On a personal level, I understand why they made the decision, but I think that that was an unfortunate thing that the, the city stepped, had to step away for budgetary reasons uh, for, for their own child care program. I think that um, that's, that's a type of community program, like I talked about uh, with crime earlier, where there are so certain social support services that I think that the city or the government broadly should be trying to, to help support people with. I talked about the, the ladder metaphor earlier, helping people get to that first rung. Part of that uh, for people who have a choice between taking care of a child at home or getting them into childcare and pursuing a job or a vocation of their own, 
that's a choice that we want to help people make so that they can advance their own life and help their child out at the same time. So I think what resources we have, we want to make available so that we can help programs like that, whether it's public-private partnership, whether it's a public program, uh, I think we've got to examine all options available to us so that we can try and increase the capacity for childcare in the community. I think it's connected to housing because people who work in childcare don't make a lot of money, so we have to provide affordable housing so that people can work in childcare and continue to provide that service too. Uh, so it's, all, it's complicated, but I think we need to be working on it actively. Um, I, I actually know somebody who is in childcare, um, and there are so many limitations that are put on her to, number one, how many children she can have, number two, the facility that she's, um, she's housing the children, or she's having the children in, um, all the limitations um, and, you know, the, the hoops that she has to jump through. Um, to have a successful business. Um, I think that yes, I think we can do something um, as a city to try to provide some of those services. But I think that um, it, it, it can be a lucrative um, uh, business for some people, but I think that there's so many hoops to jump through. I think that there's so many things that they have to you know, sign up for, um, get approved for, um, get, uh, you know, pay money for certificate, uh, certification, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I think we need to look at it from, uh, you know, from a top-down kind of perspective and, and figure out how to get um, these children taken care of uh, in a way so that we can, like Andy said, you know, get some of these people back into the workforce. I think it's going to be really important to, uh, to getting our economy back in the, in the place that it needs to be. I think that the lack of access to affordable childcare or childcare period, whether regardless if you can pay for it or not, is actually one of the key pieces that brings housing and employment together. We can't expect people to be able to work if they don't have anywhere to live. If they don't have anywhere to live or work, they won't have childcare. It's a, it's a very important piece that all comes together. The city decided they're not in the business of childcare. It's, it's not uh, a city priority as far as providing the actual service, but I think the city is very involved still in keeping it as a priority for the community. I don't know if it's harder to find an apartment or a, a childcare provider, but I think it's equally the same at this point when I see people's comments about getting on lists and waiting and waiting and putting in their name and calling back and calling back. And we look at our downtown and we wonder where our workers are. Well, they're at home with their kids. So I think that the city does have an important role in helping to pr promote childcare, whether it be uh, through incentivizing different programs or looking at additional funding or ways that we can improve other programs that would be more of group settings or things that the city could be involved in. So I, I can't remember if it was OPB where I saw the article about um, our child care providers and how much child care cost and um, 
the waiting list that people had trying to get childcare. I also remember a while back where we were um, giving a variance on the um, childcare facility in the industrial district where the logging trucks were rolling by um, next to the plumbing supply store. And um, might be interesting for a small boy, but it didn't look that nurturing to me. But the people were passionate and worked really, really hard to take care of the kids. How can we as a society shortchange our future? We really need childcare. It's, it's a priority. So however we can take care of the little ones is, is so important. So we need to do better on that. This is a very high priority for me. Uh, if we want to get people back to work, and the people that want to get back to work can't go back to work because they can't find childcare, we're stalled. And so this has to be a priority for the city. As a single father, I was very lucky to find childcare that I could afford, that worked well for my daughter. And uh, la last year, we put a three-bedroom home up for rent, and we were inundated with applications and people who wanted that property and would do anything to get into that property. And we chose to go with someone who was providing childcare in her home uh, and was not able to provide childcare in the home that she was living in at the time, which had unfortunately been red-tagged. But nonetheless, uh, we put her in a three-bedroom home, and they, they have done what they can over the past year, but it's much too small. And when I had a larger home come up that was available, we put them into that, and it seems to be working for them. We need to continue to support Bumble. Amy and Angie have done an incredible job with what they have. When I was working with them earlier this year, they showed me their schedule of fees, and they said, what do you think? And I looked at the numbers, and I said, I don't know how, as a parent, anyone can afford to pay these costs, and I don't know how, as a business, you can stay in business when this is all that you're getting. I am very much in support of childcare. Thank you. The next question will start with Jeff. What should the city do to better help downtown businesses? What should the city do to better help downtown businesses? Well, I think it all kind of circles back to, uh, you know, one of the original questions, which is um, how, do we, how do we find people to work in downtown businesses? Um, I know as a you know, as a general manager and executive chef that I cannot find people to work in my restaurant. Um, I'm sure that everybody knows around here that there's restaurants or there, there's um, stores or, or whatever the case that are closed um, either two, three days a week um, during certain hours or whatever the case may be. Why is that happening? Well, it all circles back to housing. And so that is top priority at this point. We need to find a way to get people moving to the area or being able to live in the area at a reasonable rate. We cannot keep jacking up rates on rentals 
that people just cannot afford. We bring cruise ships in with 3,000 people on them, expecting them to have a wonderful experience touring Astoria, and they're walking by closed stores. That's not, that's not what we want to be. That's not what we, what we want to be seen as. You know, we want to be seen as the place to be, the place to be seen. And that's all I have to say about that. I own a business downtown Astoria. I've been there for five years, and I started in a building that was so dilapidated that I couldn't even imagine that it would be a wellness studio. I'm a licensed massage therapist, and I provide massage on Commercial Street, which doesn't seem like the ideal place for a massage, the sound of traffic going down the road, but it is the ideal place for me. I wanted to be in a historic building, and I wanted to be somewhere that felt very Astoria, so I chose to be downtown. Downtown to me was where commerce happened, where small business owners and entrepreneurs could be successful and be seen and support each other. The city's role in supporting the downtown business district mostly comes from the community development department as well as the downtown development association providing programs and uh, promoting different events that we have downtown. And I think that the city could and potentially could have done a better job during COVID. Many of our businesses really suffered significantly and still have not recovered from what has happened during the pandemic. So I think that the city has an extremely important role in continuing to promote the downtown business area, as well as make opportunities available for other businesses to be able to open and thrive in buildings that potentially are sitting vacant. So when I go to the ADHDA meetings, um, I'm really impressed by the amount of energy there on how much people want to support the downtown and how much the city wants to support the downtown. I feel like given the resources and what we have here, we do a very good job. I was um, on a walk with one of the city employees. There was a damaged trash can and there was a call to Jeff and he came out and he replaced it. And it made a huge difference. And I think it's little touches like that that the city is aware of, and they really try hard to get to them. It helps with the, um, with the visual impact of the downtown. Sometimes walking along the, the river walk on the summer days, maybe we could do a little more trash pickup. That would really help. But um, given our resources and given the staffing, I think we do an excellent job and with some positive um, encouragement, um, we can do even more. Um, if I could have a point of clarification, what is our time frame for answering? One minute, 30 seconds. Okay, I'm sorry, I thought it was one minute, so I was trying to be as brief as possible and not go over, but it seems that it's longer than just one minute, so thank you. Okay, so the, the first item, and I, I can think of a few, the first item would be encouraging better behavior 
from the people who have created issues for the people downtown, and I have seen some real improvements over the last several months in, in that behavior, and I hope that that continues when the weather changes. Um, having businesses downtown, I, I own a couple of businesses, or I, sorry, I own a couple of buildings downtown, and, and I've worked with the businesses that are in there. We need to have better accessibility to a public restroom. The uh, current public restroom is adjacent to one of my properties, and people say it's at the corner of 12th and Exchange, and it's, it's not, and people would come into my building at 12th and Exchange, which is now uh, CBH, and demand to use the restroom because they had been told that that's where it was located. And, and so I worked with the city a while back to say, let's, let's say it's closer to 13th Street, because literally when you stand at the corner of 12th and Exchange, you cannot see the public restroom. Uh, the other issue is maintaining parking. Uh, I know that this is hard for business owners, especially when employees are coming to work or leaving work uh, when it's dark. Um, but we also need parking for our customers as well. So uh, I'm looking for solutions on how we work along the lines of the parking. Thank you. So I guess my, my answer about how we should help downtown businesses is um, along the same lines as, as many folks have talked about, creating an environment for businesses to succeed uh, and then sort of uh, letting them play that out, um, trying to get the, the city out of the way as much as possible once that environment foundation is laid. So that means housing is available for workers. That means uh, crime and aesthetic of downtown is kept up, uh, or cr crime is kept down, the aesthetic is kept up, uh, so, so that we can feel safe and comfortable in the downtown area, um, providing childcare for workers, uh, making sure that the downtown is accessible either through parking or transit uh, solutions, uh, making sure that the, the maintenance on things like the waterfront is done so that people feel comfortable and safe walking along the waterfront and, and that's kept up and so that more businesses like Bowie don't have disruptions uh, when things happen uh, related to the maintenance of, of the waterfront. Um, so all of those are important. We have uh, great agencies uh, and community um, support through things like CEDAR, through the Chamber, uh, through the Downtown Association, so the city can work cooperatively with all of those agencies to, to try and make sure that there's the best environment possible for people to, to make their business succeed. And then finally, I would just say that we want to maintain some character of the downtown and the aesthetic because that's what brings people here. And we want to keep them coming back to enjoy what Astoria is like now to the extent possible. Sorry. Thank you. The next question, and we'll start with Elizabeth, is how will you improve communication with the public? How will you improve communication with the public? Well, we saw that firsthand last night at the city council meeting where members of the public came and thought that they hadn't heard about the reading that was happening. They hadn't thought that they had an opportunity to speak. Um, and it was kind of the first thing that they'd really heard of it. Um, and they expected more communication from the city. And the city does their 
due diligence in communicating with the public when there are public meetings and public hearings. They're required to post information. They're required to send information out. And we also have a responsibility as the public to be engaged as well and see that there is things that we need to give our opinions about. We need to have diverse opinions and we need to hear from our entire community. So I don't think this is one-sided. I think that we have a role as citizens in the community to communicate with the city as much as the city has a responsibility to communicate with us and be engaged. Well, like our current mayor says, you should get a subscription to the Daily A. You should also um, make sure you get on the, um, the city's uh, notification uh, website so your emails come in for planning commission meetings and city council meetings. It's very, very easy to access. Um, I think one problem is that you read the agenda but you don't always know what's going to be uh, coming up at any of the meetings. So it is important to attend your meetings if that's important to you to be informed. So people do need to take the steps to inform themselves. Um, we have passed some, uh, made some changes where when there are um, property uh, notifications or variances or any changes in the use that it's posted on site and that's very helpful. What more can we do? I um, encourage people to just get informed. So I, one of the classes that I took at the League of Oregon Cities convention a couple weeks ago was on improving communication with the public. And it's, it's a tough situation. Um, social media is not um, the only answer, and, and it has created an awful lot of problems that people did not expect. Um, the new city manager was asked a question very similar to this in the interview process, and, and he had some, some good ideas. I'm looking forward to working with him on it. Um, I think, to me, the most important thing is listening. Um, when people come to city council and they speak out of turn and they're yelling from the audience, it's a clear signal that they don't feel that they're being heard. And so I think that it's imperative on the mayor and the council to make sure that people feel that they are being heard. And if there's an issue that they feel that they don't have the information that they need or they're not comfortable with the information that they're being given, we need to step back and say, we're willing to listen to what you have to say and reconsider how we go forward on this. Thank you. So I think this is a really challenging issue. I think it's good that we're uh, hearing some pushback from folks about this being a two-way relationship, that there's, there's both a public component and a, and a government component to this communication issue. Uh, you know, the people that are in this room tonight, uh, you, you all are paying attention. Uh, kudos to you. I think part of the things that, that we need to do as people who are involved is do things like take the paper, and I wonder if they put this question in because they've gotten mentioned a couple of times. Um, take the paper, tell your neighbors about what's going on. Uh, talk to people 
who you know about what's coming up in the community. You know, Oregon has great public notice laws. We've, we've got tons of public records. It's really available for everyone. There is an impediment to like looking at a 200 page packet of what's on the agenda for this city council meeting that not everyone's gonna get over. So if you're one of the people in this room or one of the people listening to the recording who's really engaged with this stuff, part of our role is talking to other people in the community and letting them know what's going on. I think to the credit of the prior city council, they were trying to use things like Facebook and Nextdoor. There are counselors here that I see posting all the time trying to tell people what's going on, but it's not just the council and the government that needs to, to spread the word and make sure people are involved. It's all of us. Yeah, and I think that's kind of endemic of, of, of what's you know, kind of out there in the community these days is that everybody wants the information, but they're not willing to look for it. Um, so maybe that's one of the things that, you know, it, if if I do get elected to city council, maybe we can look at some of the ways that we can better um, communicate with the with the community and find ways um, and ask the community, you know, how how does it impact you? How how can we inform you better um, and and try to find solutions to that problem? But I think you know, you know, in in my experience, you know, I get the notifications in the mail all the time. I get the emails. You know, you look through the daily. You see all of the all that stuff. And so I don't think that there's necessarily a lack of communication. I think it's just maybe the way that we're going about it. And so, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we can definitely talk about. Um, but people have to search that out, too, on their own. It's not necessarily the responsibility of the city council to go to every door and say, this is what's happening. You know, so... Um, so you know, I mean, it, it's definitely an issue um, that we need to address, and it's something that I'm looking forward to, you know, finding solutions to. Thank you. The next question, and we'll start with Chris. The city of Eugene is having success helping homeless people move their lives forward. Would you commit to speaking with the appropriate people in Eugene to see if what they are doing would work in Astoria? So I've actually been talking to quite a few people about um, solutions for moving your lives forward. Um, there's also an interesting example in Hood River where they have some, uh, some temporary sheds. Um, spoke to the, um, God, what's that office name? Housing issues, joint housing issues, uh, Multnomah and um, the city of Portland and what they're trying to do looked up some pricing on all the different workforce housing modules, um, and uh, it's just a very complex issue. So yes, I'd be willing to, to take the trip down to Eugene, talk to people. I'd also like to go to Hood River, um, and um, I think there are some other models around in the region that would be um, worth a field trip. This is a really good question. The, um, this past weekend, we were speaking with someone who was discussing the success that they've had in Eugene. And when we were in Bend a couple weeks ago, they had a housing tour uh, showing what they were doing that was working. Um, yes, I would definitely commit to speaking with the appropriate people in Eugene to see if what they are doing would work in Astoria. Um, 
it's such a complex issue. And uh, I like what Andy said earlier, the people here <laughs> are the people that are involved in the community. And I know that a lot of these people are making an effort uh, to uh, make sure that people get into housing. And yes, I would be very willing to work with people in Eugene, uh, use some of the information that I used in Bend and, and see what we can do to move that forward. Craig, can I ask you to repeat the question on this one? Thank you. Here it comes. Yeah, so I guess my, my answer, so it's similar to so much of what we've been talking about, uh, providing supports, providing housing. Um, Eugene is doing lots of creative things. I think uh, I, t I toured Eugene. One of the first places I came to in Oregon 15 years ago or something was Eugene and talked to some of the people in their city hall at that time about programs they were doing around sustainability. They're, they're innovating in lots of different ways. Part of that is the interface with the college. Part of that is that they, they've got a culture of wanting to, to push the envelope on city programs. I think that's, that's something that I'd like to import even more than any particular program, is just creating a culture of let's try new things. Let's try to take a program that isn't working and go in a different direction. Let's try to look at the future and what we want this town to look like and direct our energy toward that so that you know if, if it's a specific program, whether or not that works is uh, sort of immaterial. You want a goal that you can work toward for the future and get your departments in the city to go in the same direction. I think uh, Eugene's doing great, but we need to find a solution that works for Astoria too. You know, every community is unique, so we're going to have different dimensions of it than what Eugene, which is a much bigger town with a much different dynamic, is going to have. So we can learn lessons from them, but we need to create our own solutions. Yeah, I kind of echo those um, same uh, ideas. I think that, you know, we are much different than Eugene um, in, in so many ways, but I do think that we need to look outside the box. I think that we need to look at uh, different areas, different regions, different, you know, I mean, look across the country, you know, don't just stick to the state. Um, look at what people are doing in, you know, on the East Coast or, or wherever it may be and, and try to find a solution because obviously we haven't found it. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping collectively we can find some way to benefit the people um, that are suffering uh, with homelessness right now, um, whether it be, you know, with better drug treatment, with, you know, better... Uh, you know, other treatments to, uh, to get them in, into a better place that they can, um, you know, feel more secure with themselves. I myself, uh, you know, I, I have people working for me that are homeless right now, um, but they're good workers. You know, they, they just can't afford it, you know, so we just kind of circle back on the affordability issue. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's kind of my sticking point, I guess, at this point. Uh, so we need to find solutions from the bottom up and not from the top down. I'll probably reiterate everything that was already said, but I'll give it a shot anyway. I think that the city of Eugene uh, is having success helping homeless people move their lives forward. Would we commit to speaking to them? The one thing that I think 
we get a little closed-minded and is looking at uh, other communities that only look like our community. When the, reality, when the reality is is that all of our communities across the state of Oregon and the nation are experiencing a significant amount of homeless issues. So we're all really actually the same. So we need to be able to look at larger cities and see what they're doing and put it on small scale. We need to look at small cities that look like ours and see what they're doing. And we also need to come up with our own solutions that fit our community specifically. And in doing that, we need to listen. So we do need to look to other cities and we do need to look to other organizations that are successful in their ways and see how we can apply that here in Astoria. Good. So we are at right here. We are at. Let me check my clock real quick. We're at eight twelve. This will be the last question. This is question number nine. And then at the conclusion of this, each candidate, when we go all the way around, and then when we go back around again, each candidate will have a two-minute wrap-up. So the final question, and we start with Sean. Do you have a vision for Heritage Square? If so, what is that vision, and how would you go about achieving it? Good last question. So I think I understood the question, yeah. but I'm going to keep the card to make sure that I answer it. Um, I don't have a 100% vision for Heritage Square. I know that people have been working on this for the past couple of decades, tying in with the Riverwalk and a lot of other improvements that have been done in Astoria. Um, I would like to see an amphitheater in the pit. Uh, it just seems to make perfect sense to me to, uh, to do that. And I know that there is a group of people that are working toward that. Um, I can see a small housing component in there, and we need to retain that parking. Um, I've, I've, from my home at the Illahi, where I lived for 12 years, I watched the parking situation change tremendously in Astoria to the point where the lots used to have a lot of vacancies and they are filled during the day. On-street parking is filled during the day. So we need, to, we need to maintain and possibly increase the parking that's there. Um, I do want to make sure that it continues to be a public space um, committed to the entire community of Astoria. And how I will go about achieving that, um, remains to be seen. I, I'm looking at all our alternatives. I know it's not going to be simple and it's not going to be affordable and I don't know that we have room in the budget, but I am committed to finding a way to make that happen. Thank you. So vision for Heritage Square. So um, I, I got plenty of advice on campaigning this cycle. Uh, most of it concerned staying away from Heritage Square um, so uh, but uh, but given this opportunity I will say um, I think the city of Astoria missed missed an opportunity to put in some affordable housing in the downtown uh, there was funding available from outside sources which is something I talked about earlier uh, that was a, a golden opportunity that you know okay there were people in, in the town that disagreed with it, and I understand the disagreements. Um, I think it, 
it's unfortunate that that didn't happen. Now that we are, we're past that point now, I think the question for us is, do we go with the plaza and amphitheater? This is an area where, personally, I would like to see us put it up for a bond because I think, frankly, people don't understand how much that's going to cost. And it's not affordable for the city of Astoria to put in a $10, $20 million plaza and amphitheater in the downtown. So if we can leverage outside resources to do something constructive with that space that does help the community, I would like to see us do that. Um, I, I don't know all of the specifics around, um, you know, what the plan was for Heritage Square, but um, I do know that the investor, or what I heard was the investor got a little greedy. I think we just need to find fair and honest investors to come to our area and do the work that we need to build up our infrastructure and build up the housing market. We just need to find the right people. And I think that that's where, you know, I think that's where things went south. Um, I'm all for, you know, having parking, building additional parking, um, you know, on a two-level scale, um, housing above, amphitheater, all that kind of stuff. I'm all for it. We just need to find the people that are going to invest in it that are going to be honest and forthcoming with the city and make sure that it's equitable for everybody involved. Uh, we can't just make it equitable for the investor to make sure that they make a bunch of money and the city gets nothing. So um, I think it's just a matter of finding the right people to do the job that we need them to do. I think we're all glad that Sean had the first hit at this question so it could get through us. Um, it definitely was one that uh, any interview I've done so far when they've led with that question that's always been <laughs> pretty rough. Um, so the apartment I live in now is actually uh, four houses down the apartment from my first apartment as a young woman out of high school in Astoria. And I used to shop at the Safeway downtown, which is Heritage Square now. And so I've seen uh, that property really change and uh, the excitement of moving the Safeway, demolishing the old Safeway, realizing the whole, then the whole stayed and stayed. And now we had some parking. We had, uh, I don't envy the council for the decisions and, and working on that Heritage Square project. That was, that was quite, quite difficult um, with the opposition and also um, just trying to come up with solutions. But Heritage Square is really a public space now. It really belongs to the public and I would like to see the development of that be a space that we can all enjoy. And that property is, once it's gone, it's gone. So I think that we really need to be very smart about how we decide to move forward with that if it is to be a public space. Yep, that's an awkward question. Um, I think for Heritage Square, I would like to see at least half of that property allocated towards a public space. Um, I would like to continue with the theme of Heritage Square I believe there should be a significant uh, monument towards the indigenous people of this region put there. It hasn't been discussed, but that falls upon the theme of Heritage Square. Um, a housing component can also be put in there. And, um, you know, there are a few other tweaks to that block to make it really um, design well. 
So um, I look forward to um, hopefully working on that project with the other members of council or in some other capacity. Thank you. The final question tonight, and we will start with Andrew, is we're going to allow each candidate will have a two-minute time wrap-up. So, Andrew, go ahead. Okay. Again, I just want to mostly thank people for being here. I appreciate the engagement with the process we're going through. I'm, I'm very grateful that I think we've got a slate of, of good people up for, up for these city offices. Um, that's, that's not always true when you're looking at, at political slates, but I think all of these candidates are good. So uh, I want to just thank them, thank the audience for being here, thank our hosts. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you all and get some ideas across about how we move forward as Astoria. Um, I'm Andy Davis. I'm running for Astoria City Council in Ward 1. I would appreciate your vote. Um, yeah, good luck to everyone. Thank you. Um, again, I would uh, like to echo the sentiment. Uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, really appreciate it. This is this is my first time doing this. So, um, not my first time on stage, but my first time running for office. And uh, uh, you know, being a resident and uh, and also working in Ward One, I see everything that happens in Ward One. And you know, I'm very I'm very impassioned. I've I've been living there for 16 years. I I own my home. I've renovated a. a 130-year-old house from, you know, from, from being a derelict into um, not, not so derelict, but um, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's my home. Um, my, my lovely wife and I, you know, enjoy it, and my two dogs, or our two dogs, um, enjoy it immensely. And so I'm very impassioned about our community and, and about Astoria as a whole. Um, I'm very committed to um, to Astoria and to Clatsop County, and I, you know, I do a lot of work with United Way. Um, uh, my wife and I are both um, CASAs, uh, so uh, we're court-appointed specialty advocates for children who are going through uh, through the court system. Um, I've been doing uh, nonprofit work for 20 plus years, um, and so I'm very committed to community. And um, and and kids and 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 just making sure that uh, that we give everything we possibly can um, back to the community and do what we can for our fellow neighbors and 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 make it a better place. Um, and I love what I do. Um, and uh, looking forward to uh, spending the next four years serving all of you. So thank you. My goals as a potential city councilor for Ward 3 in the city of Astoria would be to develop and support policies that support business growth and stability, look at innovative solutions and address the needs of both our working class residents and our property owners and our business owners, foster the development of policies and programs that address our homeless crisis head on, coming up with solutions that work for our community, that are humane, and also look at how they affect our property owners and our business owners. 
I would forge lasting, powerful relationships before, between our diverse array of residents, including business owners, renters, a very big, important part of our community, property owners, educators, healthcare professionals, and first responders. I, ran, I decided to run for city council because I wanted to make a difference, and that sounds very cliche. Everybody wants to make a difference. But as a longtime resident of this community, with deep roots, having children in the Astoria School District, as a permanent resident living in Astoria, as a downtown business owner, and as a single mother and a woman, I think that it's very important to have a diverse voice on our city council that represents each part of our community. It's very easy to have opinions that can feel like we're part of a group, and I think it's very important to have opinions that come from different groups. And it's very important, just like the AAUW wants equity in education, I think we need that equity in representation as well, and I'd like to do that. It's been a great pleasure to sit up here with everyone and um, participate in this forum. We all know that Astoria is an exceptional place. Its history needs to be preserved. Maintaining the city is much like restoring a grand old Victorian. It requires constant maintenance and energy. Much of that energy comes from the hardworking and passionate occupants. We need to continue to work together as a community we will engage in civil discussion about local issues and respect towards different points of view. At this point, I'd, I'd really like to thank all the city volunteers and staff. Thank you to all the people serving on various city commissions and city council that make this city work. You all help make Astoria a great place. Also, thank you again to our forum hosts. Being a person that has worked on improving housing units and adding new ones, I think I can be a good contribution to City Council. However, housing is an issue that will not be solved next year or the year after. Astoria has a history of housing issues. We don't have much land. We don't have much money. We do have people that are willing to work hard, look at various housing options, and make incremental progress. It's important to me to preserve our special heritage as we prepare for the financial and social challenges of coming years. Let us work together. Thank you kindly for giving me this opportunity to speak to you. Be well. Let's collaborate. I'd also like to thank everybody that uh, came out here tonight, the AAUW for sponsoring this and our superintendent for moderating. Um, just after the deadline to file closed and it was clear that I was running unopposed, uh, Bruce, uh, Mayor Jones, sent me an email saying, you're it. And shortly thereafter, Paul Benoit reached out to me offering his services, and his knowledge, offering to mentor me. And I said I would be willing to take all the time that he's willing to give me. I've met with the different department heads. Uh, some have been informal, others have been more formal. I even received a PowerPoint presentation. 
Um, I'm getting to know the parts of the city that I didn't know, and I have had some familiarity, some familiarity with the city before that. Um, I've done some ride-alongs with the police department. I've been introduced to some of the people who are not currently housed and the people that are working to provide services to them. It's all very eye-opening. Um, I did have a couple of things that I want to point out. One of the questions was, what should the city do to better help downtown businesses? I want to make clear that Astoria is not just downtown, that we have businesses in Uniontown on the South Slope and, um, and it, uh, sorry, also in Uppertown and all of these businesses need the support of the residents of the city and the city. Uh, I'd ask you to, uh, even though I'm running unopposed, you can still mark the box next to my name. <laughs> and I look forward to working with Councilors Hilton and Brownson in the future, along with two of the people that are up here with us this evening. I do want to make it clear, I do take this very seriously. Thank you so much. So a, a couple things before we go. I would like to, again, recognize the candidates. It is not easy, and some of this is new for them. It is not easy to come up here. And we um, dim the lights, but we put a spotlight on them, and it's warm up here right now. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not sweating because they're nervous. Maybe they are, but it's because. So let's give them another hand for coming tonight. So tonight, just real quick, um, we sort of have a theme of the city of Astoria, and that's um, the city council. I've had conversations with um, AUW leadership, and I'm going to read the one city of Astoria ballot measure as information only. So it is ballot measure, and this is from the voter pamphlet, this is ballot measure 4-220. Astoria Public Library bonds to modernize, improve programming, technology, and accessibility. And the question is, shall city expand, modernize, repair library, improve accessibility, technology, children's programming, literacy, issue bonds not exceeding eight million and its audits required. The summary is, the Astoria Public Library opened in 1967 and hasn't been significantly updated since. Much of the library is inaccessible for users with disabilities. Building systems need replacement and it lacks space for children's programming and community use. The remodel will make available expensive, un expansive, excuse me, I'll repeat that. The remodel will make available expansive unused space with retaining current structure. Improve accessibility, an elevator to make all floors accessible, upgrading bathrooms, outside ramp widening of aisles, expand children's space and programming, larger designated area for children, Programming, literacy and learning opportunities, update technology, install modern wiring and technology. Repair aging building, heating, cooling improvements, electrical roofing, flooring, lighting, plumbing, upgrades. Add energy efficient windows. Bonds may be issued in multiple series, each maturing within 21 years from issuance. 
Principal amount of the bonds limited to $8 million. Estimated tax rate is 57 cents per thousand of assessed property value. Actual levy rate may differ due to changes in interest rates and excess value. So um, with that, as along with the theme for the city, I have to encourage people to vote. But I also know tonight, um, Suzanne Harold, the uh, interim director of the Astoria Library is here tonight. So if people have questions for her, um, she can provide factual information to you tonight. So uh, just a couple other things. I want to thank the AUW for organizing this. Sarah, please wave. Uh, you did a wonders to get this organized with the rest, the rest of the group tonight. Thank you. Our, our people organized the questions. Our timekeepers were busy down here tonight. The timekeepers were, weren't you? So thank them. Just a couple other things. You don't see him, but standing in the back is Travis Rowe. He's doing all the sound and the lighting, and I couldn't have done it without him. And he's an employee of Astoria School District with me. So one of the reasons, one of the reasons for having this forum here tonight was for us as a school district to show off this beautiful facility. This is part of a bond that was passed in 2018. There was a $70 million bond, $70 million bond that the district along with our supporters, turned it into an $85 million bond through interest, um, selling the bonds and those type of things. This has been remodeled, this area right here. Um, it's beautiful. It's probably one of the best auditorium facilities on the coast, if not closer to the Portland area. If you've ever, it's, it's one of the sad things about the pandemic is we haven't been able to allow people into our buildings to <laughs> see the great work. Um, but we're starting to open them up. If you've ever driven by the Astoria Middle School, it is a beautiful facility, modernized, um, well worth the, the investment. And so for me as a superintendent, I want to show this off as much as I can, but I also want to thank our community for the support you've shown our schools because it has dramatically improved the environment for students to learn for the next 20 to 30 years until we pass our next bond. So thank you very much. And with that, we can all go home tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Craig.